Welcome to the KBB View podcast. This is episode two of season seven, and I'm Andy Davis. And I'm going to kick this episode off with some profound words from one of my heroes, George Harrison. If you try to sit, I'll tax your seat. If you get too cold, I'll tax the heat. And if you take a walk, I'll tax your feet, because I'm the tax man. That's right, this week's episode is all about feet. Why we need them, choosing the best socks, big toes, little toes, you decide. Now, obviously, we're talking about tax. But don't switch off because we're only a week away from January the 31st, when everyone who has to fill in a self-assessment needs to have pressed submit. So it seems like a good excuse to talk to a KBB retail tax expert to find out how this sector approaches something we all know we need to pay, but we all don't really want to do it. We'll meet Kevin Bannister, who is the MD of The Accurate Accountant. There's some great advice in here, and you get to hear my favourite accountant's joke. So it's worth it just for that. Speaking of tax, you know what's a bona fide professional work event? The KBB Review Retail and Design Awards, of course. You can attend with a clear conscience and leave with a pocket full of certified VAT receipts from the bar. It's the biggest industry event of 2023. And if you want you, your company and your customers to be there with the rest of the sector's top names and influencers, then book your tickets today. It's on Thursday, April the 20th in Cardiff. And you can find out everything you need to know, as well as booking your tickets at kbbreview.com forward slash awards. Right, so let's all brace ourselves and dive into the world of tax and welcome our expert, Kevin Bannister. Hello, Kevin. Hi, Andy. Right, let's start with your credentials, Kevin. I think that's a good place. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I'm a certified accountant. I'm the owner of The Accurate Accountant. We mainly specialise in the kitchen, bathroom and bedroom sort of industry. Ultimately, to look at maximising their income, make sure they're as tax efficient as possible and ensuring they're compliant with the revenue. Right, so you're the money man, basically. Yeah. Here's my first question, Kevin. Have you ever met any personal business that thinks they're paying exactly the right amount of tax and they don't know what all the fuss is about? No. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think so. All right, so look, let's get stuck in because uh, let's deal with the obvious. We're racing towards January the 31st, and obviously in the world of tax, that's like Christmas Day. Yeah. So what does this mean for your average kitchen and bathroom retailer? So, yeah, with with the tax loans, obviously, it's the personal side of things. So in theory, the business should hopefully be all tied up nicely. So when you're reporting your income on a personal level, so if it hasn't been done yet, it should have been done. (laughs) But obviously, if it's not done, you just need to get it done before the 31st, mainly because there'll be a penalty otherwise. I mean, I imagine, I haven't looked at the stats, but I'm guessing a huge majority of people submit it on January the 31st. Yep. As you say, this, this is a self-assessment, it's personal tax, but I think you might employ self-employed people, or should I say engage self-employed people, you might have some self-employed elements of yourself. So this is this does impact even if you're running a business. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, if you're running a business, I would be surprised if you're not receiving some form of dividends. If you're not, then you probably need to speak to your accountant. And ultimately, because of the dividends, you will generally fall within self-assessment. So pretty much every business owner does fall into self-assessment, really. And and that's the thing. Sometimes people feel like it's all been done with the accounts. It depends on either if you're doing it yourself or if you're obviously getting someone to do it for you, whether it's been done or not. You're right, as in the 31st, more tax turns go in that day than probably any other day. And what's this sector like? What are kitchen and bathroom retailers like when it comes to tax returns and deadlines and things? What, what, what's your assessment of, of dealing with lots of them? Are they quite prepared or are they deadline scramblers? I would say it's sort of 50-50. When you've got some people that are 
very organized and do just want it off their plate other people you've got can you can have prepared the tax return and it still takes someone a month to sign it off i I think one thing that can cause issues is a kind of a misconception that once you do your tax return you need to pay your tax for example the tax is the 5th of april um, each year and obviously you have effectively 10 months to do the return you don't have to pay it just because you may do it in in May doesn't mean you need to pay it at that point. I think there's an element of a misconception on that. But also, I think it's some people just don't do something until the deadline comes. <laughs> it's just built into us in a sense of you know, it has to be done at this point. So I don't need to worry about it till that point. I don't mean to completely run down your entire profession here, but it's really, it's quite boring, isn't it? Yes. That's the problem. Yeah. I think it's it's quite, a, it's a tedious exercise that's not fun to do at all. And all it ultimately results in is, is you having to pay money out. It's a very easy thing to prevaricate, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. For me, when you're dealing with a, a business and preparing the accounts, your accounts realistically come the end of the year. I mean, they should be ready within a month, I would say at least. You want to be running your business as you're going through time, not nine months later so problem with personal taxes personal tax is held up by the business tax in a sense so until you've actually finally sorted out the business where the business stands you wouldn't normally do your personal tax return until that point so if someone's doing their business taxes come nine months down the line you're already on the back foot to get your personal tax return done so, look, I'm not an accountant, obviously. I've already insulted you about the fact that you are, so that's fine. I've been a PAYE person all of my life, so tax is just something that happens somewhere else and I just read about it on my payslip. But what's your assessment of independent KBB retailers and their tax and accountancy in general? Are they switched on? How aware are they of, of how it works? Or is it literally a case that they tend to just have a big shoebox full of receipts and hand it over to their accountant? What do you think? I suppose the, the main people we deal with, we would try and push them from the receipt box to the cloud systems, things like that. In general, I think the main issue is generally comes down to time. I mean, some people are really switched on, which is great. They understand the value that their finances can bring to the business from a decision-making point of view and things like that. The problem is, as a retailer, there's always something else that comes up. A new lead walks through the door. There's a problem with an installation or a design needs finished. So I mean, it's very easy to go, it's kind of like what we were saying about doing the tax turn. It's like the lead's more important than me filling in, grabbing some receipts. It comes down to, I think, there's a, I suppose there's an element of, as a retailer starts out, when they start getting to a point where they're growing, they they, they kind of get more of an understanding of their finances. So it, it becomes more important. So they put more time aside, I suppose. I can't really put the retailers in a box yet i wouldn't say they're all really bad or all really good it does just come down to sort of individuals also i think if if someone's got past experience in a business that makes a big difference so when we go to school and things we're not taught how to run a business or we're not taught a lot of things at school it's one of those things isn't it that people who mind the pennies and the pounds look after themselves will tend to be the ones who will run a much more efficient and therefore successful business that the management of the money is is the most important thing but as you say in the day at, at the moment when the lead thoughts walks through the door it might not necessarily seem like the most in, important thing how aware aware are they do you think of all the complicated bits of tax there's compliance obviously and there's rates that change but there's also tax reliefs tax incentives there's lots of variables that you can apply to how much you pay in the end how aware are they of that and what are the main ones that they don't know they could have there are a lot of retailers that do have a good understanding i think the way i generally sort of see it is 
you know a lot of people in business talk about that gut decision your gut's telling you a certain thing i mean generally a lot of those sort of people they do understand their numbers in, in some form it's not to say that they don't use their gut their gut's just i suppose more informed in terms of reliefs compliance and sort of incentives to be honest, I would say that a lot of that does really come down more to the accountant's job of making them aware. Compliance, the first thing we would generally do is make sure the business owner understands what their obligations are in a business when we need to make sure these accounts are filed and, and things like that. It's just the start point of how you run a business in terms of what you need to do as a director. When we come into release and incentives, that one big thing at the moment that is coming to an end sort of shortly is the super deduction for capital allowances. So at the moment, obviously, what kind of happened after COVID, Barishi, when he was chancellor, put in the super deduction, which ultimately allowed 130% deduction on qualifying plant and machinery and display kitchens and things like that do fall under uh, under that. So someone setting up you know, as a new retailer at the moment or setting another showroom up, say, for example, that deduction is a very important deduction because basically it's set to end at the end of uh, March this year. So in a simple way of looking at it, £1 invested knocks 25p off your tax bill for that year. So it's definitely worth looking at. I suppose what I'm saying is if you were looking at buying a lot of this stuff come April, May, you probably want to try and bring that forward, really, because the tax incentive is worth doing in most situations. Part of all this is about how you deal with your accountant, right? The relationship you have with your accountant. And I suspect a lot of businesses keep the same accountant for the entire life of the of the business once they find one, they tend to stick with them. But like any service provider, let's call accountants that, you know, there should be a constant checking to see whether or not you're getting what you, you should out of them. Is there a danger in your profession that people just leave it to the accountant, don't have enough of a working knowledge of what that accountant should be doing, and therefore they might not be getting the reliefs and the incentives or whatever that they might be available to them? Yeah, definitely. I I can give you some statistics. This obviously doesn't cover just the KBB market, but in a general sense across the UK, 70% of business owners would not recommend their accountant to someone else, like which is it's pretty bad. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and there's more on that, really, though. So 27% of the 70% said they may likely change their accountant in the future. So anyway, you've got a large percentage there that aren't even looking to change, even though they don't rate their accountant. And just one last one is that it does get worse. A third of those 70% would tell other people to avoid their accountant. So if you're sitting in that situation where you, if you would tell someone else that you would avoid your own accountant, why are you still using them? But over the years, I've tried to sort of understand this as much as you can. And the only thing I can really break it down to is change. People just don't like change. They see it that changing accountants or, or kind of anything, I think it would be the same from a legal, if, you know, if you're looking at sisters, things like that. If you, if you use someone on a regular basis, you mean, all of a sudden you kind of feel like they know everything about you and nobody else could know all of this information. But it is relatively simple to change accountants nowadays. I mean, I guess that's part of it, isn't it? If, if doing a tax return is long and drawn out and, and something that you would have put off and avoid doing, transferring all of your accounts from one company to another must seem like an incredibly daunting prospect, particularly if you've had that, if you've had that accountant for a very long time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I suppose in, t in terms of for the mechanics of changing accountants, unless you are using an accountant that isn't actually 
to qualified accountant, we're all bound by this couple of accounting bodies. We use them to qualify as an accountant effectively. So, you know, we're all bound by it, by their, their kind of terms anyway. So, you know, ultimately we request the information, the accountant has to send us the information. It's the same if someone leave if someone was to leave us, we would have to send that information to the new accountant. So it is very straightforward, but you have to be ready to make that change. Even when you are making that change, you're making that change for a long term generally. So you don't want to have to change every year. You know, you want to find someone that kind of fits with what your 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 goals are and you can trust that they will provide you kind of with the information you need as you take your business to the next level, really. Obviously a lot of this is about paying the right amounts of tax and maybe even seeing if you can find a way to pay a bit less tax if there are you know really some incentives to go but what are the main things that you come across where people have fallen foul of this that they haven't paid enough because they think they've got away with something or other by you know charging that trip to magaluf onto their tax returns or something do you know what I mean what's the things that you see people getting wrong the most Unfortunately, it's generally the chap down the pub told me X. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we do come, and we have a good laugh about some of them. Some of them are, are absolutely hilarious. And and some... You can't pause there, Kevin. There's a hilarious accountant joke in there somewhere, so we, I think we all need to hear it. <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't think of it now. Um, but I, I do recall, Jim, there's a, a number of them where we, obviously the line starts the exact same. My mate down the pub said such and such, and... Okay, yeah, I can't, I can't give you one to be honest. It is always kind of something that's we all went on, we all went on holiday somewhere, and oh, I, you know, it was only it cost us five grand, and I've put it through the business kind of thing. Like, yeah, well, you, you can't just put your holiday through the business; it doesn't quite work like that. What if you went to Florida for for like three weeks, but fitted someone's toilet while you were there? <laughs> well, it'd have to be a very expensive toilet. No. <laughs> that's what I'd say. <laughs> But I'm guessing these are the kind of questions you get. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong, though. They're, they're, they're claiming for expenses and things like that. The way I see it, ultimately, there are some really particular rules which we have to make people aware of. Like, for example, client entertainment. There are rules to stop you just going down the pub with all your all your mates. But ultimately, you have to be comfortable that it's a business cost. I think the worry, actually, is that although there's people that try to put a lot, a lot of different things through the books, you actually have a lot of other people that don't put enough through the books. So, you know, they're traveling using their personal car, but they're not either putting mileage through or, or anything. Incidentally, you know, a lot of these things do really add up. So you do have some people that see things in a way that if I pay for it on the business card, it's a business expense, no matter what it is. But you do have a lot of people that do pay a lot of things personally. And you know, our role, in a sense, is to probe into those things and to say, I don't have any travel costs going through. Well, you, you, surely you must travel somewhere. Two sides to that, really. What's the worst thing you've seen someone try to get through on expenses? Is it like a tennis court or a diving board or something? What, what's the worst thing you've just looked at it and gone, oh, my God, I can't believe they've even tried that? Do you know, I have come across a builder that tried to put their whole extension through their business. Um, <laughs> well, on their own house? Yeah. <laughs> no. um, so that's probably the worst one. And the thing is, though, is I, I say they try to put it through. Oh, mean, ultimately, they've just paid everything through the business and hope that nobody notices them. But obviously, there's risks in something like that, even if you, you, know, you want to push all that through. Obviously, in good conscience, we can't let that go through. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that the I just hoped no one would notice excuse is the kind of thing that keeps you awake at night. To put things into context, actually, uh, we generally use Jimmy Carr. 
<laughs> everyone knows about it, or most people at least know about his tax issues that he had, paying less than the cleaner in tax kind of thing. And a lot of people use that. They say, I don't want to pay a stupid amount of tax. I want to pay my fair share of tax. I'm not after a Jimmy Carr scheme. I just want to pay what is due and not a penny more. And that works really well for us because there, there is a, a complete difference between tax evasion and tax avoidance and, and tax planning. The whole system effectively is set up to incentivize different types of people in different ways. So being a, a limited company is generally you're going to benefit better than being self-employed. However, that has changed of late with obviously some of the extra taxes that have been added in. There isn't as such a big incentive as they used to be. But I think the th- kind of people paying their fair share of taxes, is, 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 I've always liked. I think if we don't pay any tax, we won't have anything. The vast majority of people are very law-abiding and, as you say, just want to pay their fair share. I mean, but part of the problem is, though, I think that anything like this, there are grey areas for things, aren't there? You know, not everything is black and white. You either can or you can't. It's very grey. For example, in this industry, it's very specific, but there's been some issues around the tax liabilities for retailers who, who use self-employed fitters, but they do all their work for them. Yep. So effectively, 100% of their, even though they're self-employed, 100% of their work comes from you, the retailer. So what is the liability for the retailer to either pay some tax themselves or ensure that that self-employed fitter is fully compliant with everything. So what's your view on that? Yeah, so there's two two important things here. You've got the employment status. So if someone's a self-employed fitter that's on a permanent basis, you kind of have some issues whether actually are they an employee or not. So obviously the revenue would much prefer that they're an employee because they would claim more, you know, effectively the business has to pay national insurance for that employee. So it's in their interest to try and argue that they would be an employee. With that, you've, you've, I mean, you've ultimately got sort of the main factor that determines whether you should actually be an employee comes down to the power dynamic. So if you're an employee, the employer has all the power. They decide your hours, your pay, when you when the work needs to be done, how it's done, when it's done. From a self-employed basis you mean you have to have that autonomy that i don't want to take that job or there is sort of some very specific things here on that if they don't fall under an employee minimum cis applies effectively so the retailer ultimately should be deducting cis from the payments they make to that subcontractor and then effectively be paying that over to the revenue on their behalf is this just a case of you have to take responsibility to ask the questions of your fitters and not just assume that they're doing everything right? Yeah, so if, you, like, if you've got a group of, of subcontractors and, and you know, effectively you know, when you're contacting one of them, for example, saying, we've got this job, can you give us a price for it? And that they can turn around and go, no, we can't, do, you know, we haven't got time to do that. You then go on to the next one, say. That is a different situation. Whereas if you've got someone that effectively paying them a day rate and they work five days a week, or you're paying them an hourly rate, generally they're going to come under being an employee, really. It is definitely something that is important because the ramifications of it coming out later on that they should be an employee will cost the retailer a lot because the revenue will turn around and say they should have been employed. You haven't paid all this national insurance on their behalf, like for for them. We're, we're finding now really that Back before it came down more to the the subcontractor being it's their their problem, whereas now you, you know as a retailer they you have to be able to say they're not an employee because of X, Y, and Z. Again, that's a very grey area that people need to be very aware of. I think that's the the message that's coming across here is you've got to be very aware of the people that you're just because you're not they're not on your books in terms of PAYE, you are still responsible for in some sense for their for their liabilities. 
let's round this off here, Kevin, because this is really interesting. You're, you know, you're the expert here. What are your top tips, if you like, for things retailers could do tomorrow to stay compliant, minimise liability? What can they sit down at their desk tomorrow and check and look for? So I would say, uh, first off, set the foundation, really. And, you know, they need to make sure their books are up to date and also that they do understand them. That takes some time to get un- to understand them in, in a lot of detail, but just understand where their money's going. And it's pretty simple to work out where it's coming from, but where they're spending money to make sure they're not wasting money, really. Then I would say one thing I think we touched on slightly earlier is some people, not everybody, they still use their personal accounts for a lot of things. The issue with that is if you're using your personal bank account, you're kind of opening yourself up a bit. If ever there was an investigation into the business, which there are a number of these that are just genuine, the revenue is just open inquiry, not because there's a problem or anything. They're just doing a checkup. If you spend a lot of money out of your personal bank account, end up opening it up that you have to then provide that to the revenue because if a lot of your expenditures coming out of there, they kind of have a right to see that. Two sort of things which we haven't really touched on is just if they're not using cloud accounting, also there's QuickBooks, Xero, Sage, I would definitely suggest that they start using some cloud accounting software. That will at least gives you the foundation really to understand the numbers so that some proper tax planning can be done. You can't do tax planning unless you know what's happening. And that's the issue that you generally have when someone comes back to say, here's all my books and it's got to be filed this month. You can't tax plan in the, for the past. Yeah, so in other words, you know, make sure when you hand that shoebox full of receipts over, you've at least had a look to see that it hasn't got a dead mouse in it or something, that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Kevin, this is it's so interesting stuff. And you know what, I'm so glad that there are guys like you around to be experts in it because clearly I'm the last person who should be asking about it. And it's, as you say, it's very easy to kind of just let someone else take care of it for you. But what you're saying here quite a lot is like, look, you, you don't have to be the accountant, but you should at least be aware of what accountancy is. That is literally the key point. Going back to what we said earlier about that gut feeling, it's if you understand your numbers, your decision making is just better. If you want to open a new showroom, you know, right, this is what it's going to cost us to open the showroom. It's not a kind of stick your finger in the air. You, you know, you've worked out what it's cost you to do you know, in your first showroom, say, and you've learned all these obviously lessons in doing that. And now all of a sudden we can go, right, well, in the next five years, if we want to open three more showrooms, this is the sort of amount of capital we need to either get from investors or or, or pull together to do it. And, and, that's, and that's the difference as well from, from the bank side of things. And they want that information. So getting to know your numbers is, is the key, really. Well, do you want me to give you my favourite accountancy joke? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> go on. Why did Sherlock Holmes get audited by HMRC? I don't know, you'll have to tell me. He had too many deductions. <laughs> I don't know whether I should laugh or cry. <laughs> Come on, that's a good joke. <laughs> yeah, oh yes. <laughs> so look, a definition of an accountant is someone who solves a problem you did not know you had in a way you don't understand. Yeah. And that's what you've sort of done for me today. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time, your expertise. I do words, not numbers. So thanks for your time. And we'll check in with you again soon. Thanks. That was Kevin Bannister, the MD of The Accurate Accountant. And just like the card services episode last week, these are all things that are essential parts of any KBP retail business. But they're not the fun bit you got into the game for. But it's so important to have that working knowledge. I'll put Kevin's website in the episode description. 
Don't forget to book your tickets for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2023, which takes place on Thursday, April the 20th in Cardiff. Go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards for all the details. And I'll see you next. Oh, hang on. Just thought of another one. Which superhero pays no tax? Spider-Man, because all of his income is net. I'll see you next week.